This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Hallelujah. Romans 1, 18 through 32. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never be done. Their, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, Envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. You may be seated. Thank you so much for the standing and the reading of the word. Thank you for being here today. My heart is to hopefully inspire you. 
uh, with what I say, that it will help you and challenge you today. I want to run through where we've been over the last about eight weeks now. I just want to catch you up in thought, and then we're going to jump right into it. But we've been talking about the fruit God expects. We started on John 15 about seven weeks ago with this thought. Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit, and I want you to bear much fruit. He wanted us to produce the much fruit. And then he says at the very end, I want you to produce even more. Then Jesus also said this. He said, when you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples, and it brings joy to the Father. There's joy in producing fruit. We came to this thought that it's impossible for us to do that because the fruit he wants is obedience. And we came to this thought, the only way we can ever produce fruit is by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. We, we need his help. And uh, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit that makes God happy and joyful. And at the very bottom, I highlighted what I think is important out of this verse for our thought today. Living by the Spirit, following the Spirit's leading, and then this phrase, in every part of our life. That God wants to be involved in every part of your life. From your head to your toes, to your marriage, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your thoughts, to your money, to everything you do, your hobbies... He wants to be in charge. Here's the problem with that. Uh, the problem is, is the Holy Spirit in the Bible is linked up to wind and to a bird. And it's kind of hard when we say, well, how in God's name can I follow a bird? I don't even know how to link up with that. But according to the object lesson given when Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And if you Google Holy Spirit, 99.9% .9 of every image that pops up will be of a bird. And so it really makes it interesting how in God's name can I live my life to follow something that's the wind and the bird. And it left us with this thought, and it was a question, how can I follow something that I cannot see? Uh, it's, he's the spirit, right? It says the spirit produces this kind of fruit. So in a practical way leads me to how can I follow something I can't see? But then Jody read this verse, and this is where we're jumping off. Listen to Romans 1.20. It's interesting. Uh, this was in the passage we read. For ever since the world was created, people have seen earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, and then the bottom phrase, so they have no excuse for knowing God. Here's something interesting. God says, look, you're looking at it the wrong way because I can be known and I can be seen. Even though you humans say, well, God's out there. Nobody can really see God. God said, well, I've made it pretty clear. You can know me even though you can't see me. And here's how you can know me through creation. In other words, I should be able to look outside at the trees, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the light, the day, all of the stuff that we call creation. I should be able to look at that, according to this scripture, and say, in all of that, I can see the eternal qualities of God's power. I can see his invisible nature and that led us to this thought, if that be true, and it is, I believe, that we could go to the book of Genesis to the seven days of creation and in those seven days of creation we could gain uh, some insight about the unseen nature of God. So we did that. We jumped into Genesis chapter 1 and we jumped into day 1. So we're three days in today. Let me catch you up. Here's Genesis uh, day one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering above the surface of the waters. Then God said, 
Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so the evening and morning were day one. Here's what we said about day one. The nature of the Holy Spirit will always work to destroy a root of pride in you that will lead you away from selfish behavior and into God's purpose. We did a whole teaching on this. You can get it off of our website to go deeper. But the thought of day one is the first thing God is trying to attempt in your life is to pull you away from yourself and into trusting Him. This was day two. Let's read on. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heaven from the waters of the earth. And that's what happened. God made that space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heaven. And God called the space sky, kind of a short day, two verses or three. And the evening and the morning came, marking the second day. Here's what we said about day two. The Holy Spirit will always work to remind you that even when you see no visible evidence of a remedy, God can always be trusted. Come on, somebody. Even when you can't see a remedy, even when it doesn't even feel like God is in the room and there's no evidence that God's even working, He can always be trusted. And that's the second step. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you to stop trusting yourself, day one, and He wants to bring you to day two, learn how to trust God even when it makes no logical sense. Learn how to trust the Lord even when you don't see it. He's working without you even knowing it. Now grab your Bibles, if you will. Open up to the book of Genesis chapter 1. And let's dive in pretty deep today. So I'm going to get a shovel and I'm going to shovel it out. And I'm going to do my best that I can do to present to you day 3 of creation in a practical way that will kind of give us some insight of the nature of God. It might sting a bit. Uh, day three is a little different than all the other days because we really start getting some things happening uh, on a surface level. Let's jump in, verse 9, 10, 11, and 12. We'll read it together. It's on the screen if you want to follow along in your Bible, New Living Translation. And God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. So first thing he's doing on day, on day three is he's pushing the waters back and he's bringing up the land. And that's what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11. Then God said, Let the land sprout vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that's what happened. Now, listen to this thought. In day three, God is establishing a principle, and the principle of His nature is whatever the seed is, you can expect the outcome to be. It never changes. Never. I know we may want it to change, but what God is going to teach me first, before we get into it deeper... The first thing he's going to show me is that dirt, land, the dirt, is designed to produce whatever has been planted in it. Meaning, if you plant an orange, no matter how much you pray, fast, quote scriptures, speak in tongues, jerk, listen to worship music, or have anointed uh, oil on you, that orange seed will always produce an orange and you will never get a banana. You can call it a banana 
act like it's a banana, spray it with banana spray so it smells and maybe tastes like a bitter banana, but it will forever be an orange. And what many Christians don't understand that God is doing in day three is establishing a part of His unseen nature where dirt will produce the seed that was planted in it. Do you want to know the strange thing about you? You were made from dirt. God took you as a lump of dirt and breathed His breath into you. And do you know what God is going to say? You don't come along until day six. But on day three, God already established the dirt from which you would be made would be a significant part of your life because whatever you put into your life is what will come out of you. It does not matter what you think, what you put in will come out of you. If you put in cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers come out. It's very difficult to get abs when you want the seed of abs, but the seed going in are cheese fries. The reality of that is all of us in the room believe that. If you go to Home Depot and you buy a set of seeds for roses and you go into your front yard and tulips come up, you've got a problem because seeds bear after their own kind. Somebody ripped you off. You will dig them up, take them back to Home Depot and go, man, somebody mislabeled the package here. And yet a lot of Christians are looking for something to come out of their life, but they're planting the wrong thing in their life. You're expecting blessings to come, but the seeds you plant are consistent life curses. You speak evil. You talk evil. You're arrogant. You have arrogant ways of living and thinking. And then you go, I just don't know why my life doesn't work. I don't know why my marriage doesn't work. I don't know why, la, la, la. And we, we list off a litany of why my life doesn't work. It could not have to do anything with the devil, but everything in that whatever you sow, you reap. You will reap your words. Your mouth is a seed. You will eat of the seeds of your mouth. If you plant the words, you will eat the words. Your money is a seed. Everything you give will go into the kingdom of God. Your money produces. Everything produces after its kind. And a lot of times I think we're wanting things out of God and God's like, look, Mark, I'm glad you want that for me, but you're giving me no seeds to work with, son. You want this from me, but I'm not seeing the seeds because this is the principle of my divine unseen nature. I am a seed producing after its kind kind of God. Is everybody there? So this is kind of getting into it. So he makes the land. And in the land, he does something interesting on day three. Uh, specifically calls out plants and trees. So on day three, here's what we have. We have seas and we have trees. And those two things are going to do something very significant about helping me understand the unseen qualities of God. I know on a surface level reading... I know when you read it, like, ah, day three, he made the seas, he made the plants and the trees. Yay, God, give it up for God, right? Uh, let's move on to Vacation Bible School, day four. But the reality of that is, according to what we read in Romans, that in the seas and the trees that were made on day three, there is a nature of God that can be seen. There's something about this that says, that's God. His nature can be seen in this. That tree right out here in our 12 acres of land, there's something about that tree that would show me the nature of God. 
And we've already seen one of them is very simple. It's surface level. It's not deep. It's surface. The nature of God is whatever you plant, you get it back. You plant a banana, you get a banana. And we expect that. Like we're so... God has so ingrained it that we even expect that to be true. Whatever I plan, I get. God says, good. I'm glad it's still working after thousands and thousands of years. But it goes deeper because he says, on this day I made the seas and the trees. And so what I would like to do is I would like to take the next few minutes and I'd like to talk about the seas and I'd like to talk about the trees and how they relate to me. So here's the three words. Let's say them together as a practice. Seas, Seas. Trees, trees, and me. So this is going to be day three. Uh, it might sting a bit, but I'll give it the best I can. And we'll just kind of work it out together. So let's look at the seas. The first thing God does is he establishes the seas. Now, this came straight from Wikipedia. So if you wondered how smart I was, I'm not. I just know where to go to get smartness. <laughs> so I got this from Wikipedia, but these are this is what I've in factual I, I wrote down for you. Ninety-seven percent of the Earth's water is found in our oceans. Of a tiny percentage, it's not in the ocean. About two percent is frozen in the glaciers and ice caps, and less than one percent of all water on the Earth is fresh. And then that bottom line: seventy-one percent of our Earth is seas. That's nearly three-quarters of all the earth is seas. And so it makes me wonder what's going on that God would make three-quarters of the earth sea and only a quarter of it dirt. You would think that he was smart enough that if there's going to be 7.4 billion people on the land, he should have flip-flopped it. He should have given us 71% dirt and about 29% ocean. Because we really don't even get to enjoy most of the ocean anyway. Even if you go on a cruise, you get to enjoy about a beep of it. it. It's one of the most unexplored, unknown regions. We actually can say we'll go into space and explore space, but we cannot even explore the bottom of the deepest part of our ocean. That's mind-blowing to me. You mean I can take a picture of Pluto on some kind of thing that I built that'll fly by Pluto, snap a picture, send Pluto back to me, and I go, wow, Pluto. But I can't even get to the bottom of a 33,000 foot deep ocean? I mean, ponder that. that that's mind-blowing. I can explore the universe. I can take a head off of a monkey, put it on another monkey, and the monkey will live, but I can't get to the bottom of the ocean. It's not because we're dumb. It's not because it's, uh, it's outside of our range of ability. It's because God did it with the intent that it would forever be impossible for a human being to get to the bottom of the ocean to explore it. It was never intended by God for us to do so. And if we try to do so and go to the very deepest part of the ocean, we don't do very well down there because the pressure begins to take over. It's pitch black. We can't see anything. It's so cold. It's unexplored. And God says, aren't I wonderful? Yeah. And I gave you three quarters of the earth that is sea. 
And just look at how much land there is. Can you imagine if we could remotely understand this with the land mass of, that can hold seven point something billion people, but yet three quarters of the rest of our planet we can't even live on. And the weird thing about the 71%, we can't even enjoy its water by drinking it. You think we've got plenty of water. God says, yeah, I know, but you can't drink it, sorry. But it's cute. You can surf on it. You can scuba dive in it. So it really makes me go, what is he thinking about when he creates three quarters of our earth to be seized that we will not have the potential to reach the bottom to explore it? Look at what Micah says. This is a prophet in the Old Testament that kind of gets skipped over. You know, it's like one of those dudes we just don't read a lot. It's like, yeah, Micah, go. I don't even know him. But he shows up in chapter 7 of his book and he pulls out something that most of us have probably heard as a Christian but really not thought through it. Because what we will hear if we've been in church a long time is something like this. He takes our sins and throws them into the seas of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. And so we're like, yay, God did that. This is the thought of it. Micah, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them where? All right, this is weird now. Because I'm okay that God made the seas to be 70-something percent of our earth in day three. Yay, God, go. You did a good job. But then Michael takes it a little deeper to say what God is going to do now, I don't know where you fall theologically. It's up to you and Jesus. I believe when he says you'll trample them under your feet and you'll throw them to the depths of the sea, I believe he means it literally. God is going to take the sins of humanity, trample them under his feet, and then toss those sins over into the depths of the ocean. Which would lend me to say this. Maybe that's why 70% of the earth is water because that's how much sin we have. I mean, me alone, just me, could probably fill up Lake Oconee. Just me by myself. Seven point something billion people. God's like, dude, I'm going to need a lot of water. If I'm going to throw all of your sins into the depths of the ocean... And you heard what Jody just read. It was, it was astounding. You're insolent. You're gossipers. You're backbiters. You're haters of God. You're sexually perverted. You're loaded up with sins. So what I prophesied is I'm going to trample those sins and I'm going to dump them into the depths of the ocean. Maybe, I'm not saying it's true, but maybe that's the prophetic moment of God when three-quarters of the earth is going to be water. And I'm like, dude, why did you make it so much? You should have given more dirt. I mean, we can make castles and homes out of the dirt. And, and he's like, yeah, I know, but what you guys aren't looking at is the future. Well, what's in the future? There's nothing there. I know you don't see it because I'm God. You don't see it. But what I see is this wonderful future out here of these humans that are going to look just like us. They're going to be called people, and they're going to look just like me and just like him in our image Oh, cool, so, so you're going to put them on the dirt. Well, yes, I'm, I'm going to put them on the dirt. I'm going to make them out of the dirt. 
Oh, that's cool. So you're going to, okay, I see now why you did the dirt. You did the dirt to make them out of the dirt. How cool is that? Yeah, it's real cool. So still, if you're going to make humans and they're going to play on the dirt, build houses on the dirt and playgrounds on the dirt and get dirty and have to wash the dirt, why didn't you make more dirt? And he says, well, the reason I didn't make more dirt is because the humans you don't even see who are going to be made in my image to be just like me and you'd think they would love me, but they won't love me because when I make them out of dirt, they're going to choose dirt rather than choosing me. So they're going to worship the very dirt that I brought them out of and they're going to make things. So therefore, because they're going to worship the dirt that I brought them out of as dirt I had to make more water because I'm going to take that dirt and all the sins of that dirt and throw them in the water and so what you're looking at is only a piece of dirt and one human I'm looking at all their sins because I see them in advance I see all of your sins in advance before you even know what you're going to do you can even tell me you won't sin I already see them all if you want to know how awesome grace is he forgives you of your sins and knows Good and well, you will probably continue to make mistakes and fail. And he says, I've forgiven them all. The ones you have committed back there, the ones you're committing today, but when you come under my grace, I've even forgiven you of the sins of your future. That's how powerful my grace is. So he says, I will throw them in the depths of the ocean. This is just my thought, so I might as well dump it on you. Maybe this is why scientifically we can't get to the bottom. Because God is trying to tell us, when I trample them and throw them there, I will make it such a powerful statement of my faithfulness to judge it, you won't be able to get there. It will be off limits to you. It will be pitch black, frozen cold, and you won't be able to explore it. I'll let you explore a little of it, but you won't get to the depths of it. But the depths of the ocean that will hold your sins will show you how faithful I am in my unfailing love. Because God's going to do something really crazy here in this thing. Now here's a thought. Why on... This is, this is another moment in the future with Noah. When God judged the earth, why didn't he bring the whales, the sharks, the belugas, killer whales, dolphins, porpoises? Why didn't he bring them on the boat? Because if he does, what happens to them? They die. So God's got himself in a quandary because God says, well, if there's sin, there's death. But I also said you got to multiply after your kind. So I'm kind of, it's easy with humans. I'll just pull about eight of them on a boat. There's a boat. Y'all are going to be okay. You can multiply and do it. I'm going to kill everybody else. It's easy with the land animals. I just bring you on the boat, get on there, multiply, do good, kill all the others. Easy with the birds. Come here, get on the boat. There you go. You're on the boat, kill all the other ones. I've solved my problem. I told you if you sin, I'll judge you. And I did. Oh, man, I backed myself in a hole here. How am I going to kill that dabbling well? I mean, no matter how much water I get, he's just going to gain, wow, more water. Yay, I can swim more. I flood the whole earth, and he's just going to keep swimming. The porpoises are going to keep jumping. Everybody out here is screaming, oh, my God, it's a flood. We're going to all die. And the porpoises are like, they're just having a blast. It's the funnest day ever. It's like Disney World. Waters are exploding everywhere. Porpoises are jumping, and... Everybody's having a blast. But 
the real question is, would not God have to judge the porpoises and the whales? and the, Or do they get a free pass? Or does, maybe they don't even sin. Well, if they don't even sin, then why did he kill the other birds? And why did he save these? And, and it becomes really weird. But anytime we talk about the ocean and the seas, know this. We are talking about a judgment of sin in relationship to how God thinks. We think surf, Panama City Beach vacation, lay out, little bit of Jimmy Buffett, I'm good. God, when he made the seas, is thinking a place of judgment that will hold the sins of the world to be judged, that will be dark dead and empty and lifeless. And I will use that water to judge every land mammal and every air mammal. I will judge it, but those in the water will deal with them in a minute. Let's go on. Here's the thought. Revelation 13, which is weird. We're teaching the book of Revelation, so you can dive in in the next weeks and catch this in depth, but it is a thought. I saw a beast rising up from where? This is Revelation 13. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. This is going to be connected to the Antichrist, that dirty 666. Who is he? Ah, mark of the beast, go to hell. All that is in this chapter. It had seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns on its horns, and written on its head were names. And then I highlighted it, blaspheming God. Because now what we get is the sea is connected to the blasphemies of God, the rejection of God. When we talk about the seas now in day three, and we go, yay, he made the ocean. But to this eternal God that looks into the future, the ocean and seas that I made in day three is a prophetic moment that will judge the sins of the world. It is a prophetic moment that will hold the very blasphemies of the human beings that will come upon this planet. For I will take their rejection of me, their hatred of me, and I will trample it and pour it into the sea. And the very sea of which I poured it is the very place within which the Antichrist will rise. Go figure that out. The very thing in day three that God will use as judgment is the very thing that rises up as Lucifer. Because the one thing Lucifer wants you to know is you'll never have to worry about judgment. You'll never have to worry about the justice of God. This whole lie that you can just live any way you want to live because God loves you and you can get away with it because he just loves you dearly, loves you just like you are. You don't even have to change. That is hogwash. It's a message that comes out today to appease the minds of Christian people because if we go too hard I mean, and, and, and talk about God too much, we could run people off. We could offend them. We could, you know, what we do is human. So we just leave it real shallow. We never want to dig out the ocean. We just want to talk about ocean and surfing, not oceans and judgment. We want to talk about the seas as a place to go on a cruise, not the seas in a place where God has thrown all of my sins. Because truthful, nobody in the room, me included, likes to really look at the depth of the evil of sin that can inhabit my soul that comes out in the weirdest of ways. With all of us, it's different. Me included. Let's read on. This, is, this even gets more mind-boggling. Revelation 21. 
I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And what? 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 You mean he's getting rid of it all? Wait a minute. This is the end of the book. This is the end of the Bible. We're one chapter away from the end of the Bible. Let me go ahead and tell you there's no more sea. Done with. Don't need it anymore. I don't need the oceans anymore. I don't need that judgment anymore. I will remove all of that judgment. Everything that's been going on, it's done with. And if you want to know how strange, open your Bible. I don't have it on the screen, but we'll put it up there for you. Um, go, if you will, to the book of Revelation chapter 16. The book of Revelation chapter 16. Just so you understand when I'm talking about seas and sins and seas and judgment, that the sea that God made was a sign of His judgment, that the sea that God made was where He would lump the depths of the sins of humanity, that the seas is seemingly where the wells got away with it and don't have to pay a high price for death. Listen to 16 of Revelation. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say, Go your ways and pour out the seven bowls that contained God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. And the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea. What happened? It became blood like of a corpse. And what happened to everything in the sea? Don't you ever think God will let you off the hook? The whale didn't get away. The porpoise didn't get away. The octopus didn't get away. I know we think they did because they didn't die in Genesis 6. But God wants you to know how faithful He is. That wherever there is sin, there is death. And though the whales didn't die during the flood, and the porpoises didn't die during the flood, know this about my nature and my character. I am a God of judgment and justice. I will always do what I tell you I will do. Even if it doesn't show up in your lifetime, you can bank on me that vengeance is mine. I will repay, and I'm always faithful to my word. And now here we are at the end of all things and the nice little flipper that got away on Judgment Day with Noah thinking, wow, look at everybody dead. We're still living. Isn't it wonderful? I got away with it. I can keep going. But now he pours out his bowl and everything in the sea is dead. Everything. You would think, why would he kill everything? I mean, octopus, what has he got wrong with sea turtles? I mean, sea turtles are an endangered species. Why would God kill the sea turtles? Everything pays a price. If it's sin in your life, you pay the price because you reap what has been sown. All I'm trying to tell you is not that God's ticked. He's faithful. He keeps his word. He never breaks his word. What we think is, I can sin and get away with it. And some people do. Some people sin and get caught immediately. 21 years old, first day in the club. I get out of the club. I've had my first land shark beer, baby, straight out the tap. And I walk out of the car. It's my first day of being 21. And I get a dab blame DUI. Why some drunk down the road has been a drunk for 40 years and has never even got a ticket. 
How do they get away with it? How does the girl in high school get pregnant on her first time having sex when the chick over there's hooked up with every brother on the football team and has never gotten pregnant? Oh, my God. So unfair, right? It's how we do it. Because here's what we want. I want to sin and be a well. I want to get away with it. I want God to love me and overlook my sin anyway. I want him to let me sleep around with my girlfriend. I want him to let me live like a hellion and bless me anyway. Some of us are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for that sin. I don't want to kill me. I want to get on the boat. I just want to get on the boat. And if, you, and if you're not honest, does it not feel like that sometimes the people that need it most, that need God just to thump them in the jugular vein and lay them out flat to where we can go, boom, I told you so. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, I just pray you slay them, God. They've done me dirty, do them dirty back. Right? I mean, that's human nature. That's the seed. That's the get them back God. It's the nature. But what God wants you to know is that sometimes from a human perspective, life of the justice and judgment of God is not fair. It seems like you're the one always getting caught. You're the one that's always in trouble. And everybody's dad blamed getting away with it. We have a generation of young people today that because nobody's ever told them God is a God of justice and judgment, they live any way they want to live. They do anything they want to do while preachers stand in a pulpit and say, now just want you to know Jesus loves you. He just loves you. And I'm like, oh God, yes, Jesus loves you. Of course he loves you. He will always love you. There's nothing you can do that he not love you. But please don't think that you can continue to sin and somewhere along the way the judgment of God will not come. How stupid, how stupid is that thinking? Because what we focus on are all the whales and porpoises that get away with it. And God says, nobody gets away with judgment. Nobody slights my hand. Nobody tricks me into thinking I forgot about it. Do you think that I forgot the beluga whale deserved to die? No. He's just going to die at the end, but he will pay the price for the sins of every part of creation. Why? Because the law of Moses says that everything has to be purged with blood, even the ocean where I sit your sins. So, why would God throw the sins of humanity into the ocean? I thought the sins went on the cross. Ha! Glad you asked. The reason he's got them both places, on the cross and in the ocean, because on the cross is where the sins go of people who accept him, and in the ocean is where the sins go of people who reject him. And if you go to the sins on the cross, you find life. But if you come to the ocean and your sins have never been absolved, you die. You die. That is so unfair. And not one of you in this room believes that's unfair. Because every human in this room believes, whether we like to say it or not, but we do. I know we do. I, and it's just human nature. We like the guilty to get what's coming to them. I don't like OJ getting off. My God, he killed her. I know he killed her. 
He killed her. I know he did. I just know he got off. Do you believe he got Oh, he'll get what's coming. I swear he'll get what's coming. But he got off. I know he killed Nicole. I don't think, well, they said he didn't. They did get, but the glove didn't fit. Hey, don't fit, don't quit. Remember, oh, yes, I remember. Didn't fit, don't quit. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you follow the news, OJ gets caught a second time from somebody that stole his stuff. And you would have thought Lucifer got caught. I knew it. I knew it. Lock it up. Lock him up. He was guilty all along. Right? We like the guilty to be punished. Just let somebody run your car over, your best car. You, oh, I don't like the word punishment, but I like insurance. They're going to pay. Their insurance will pay, not mine. And if they don't have insurance, you're even more ticked off. Because what God is teaching me about his nature is that there is no sliding his justice nor his judgment. Even though it feels like you can get away with it. Even though you've been getting away with it for decades. And nothing has really happened. You just go to church when you feel bad. You come to an altar and say, I'm so sorry, forgive me. But you don't really mean it. You've just had a bad weekend. you got a hangover. You really don't want to go to hell. So you tell him to forgive you. And he goes, oh, it's you again. Okay, I forgive you. I hold nothing against you. Get on the boat and you're saved absolutely free. And you're like, thank you for forgiving me. But I'm not ready to get on the boat yet. I just want to swim some more. Right? That's how stupid we are. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. And he's like, okay, if you're sorry, come on, made a way for you to give you eternal life. But I just really enjoy my swim time right now. Right? I mean, that's just... But what day three is going to tell me is even though sometimes his justice is pushed to the future and it seems really unfair, trust me, he never forgets. The Bible even says that you'll stand before him one day and you'll give an account for everything you've ever done or said. Oh, everybody in here is like, oh, help us. Oh, help us. How many of you just are looking forward to the day to standing in front of the eternal God and he gathers the angels around and says, bring up video number (laughs) 4,299. What are we watching today, God? Well, we're watching uh, Charles Mark Evans, born in April of 1965, and let the show begin. You're like, oh, 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 I forgot I did that. Oh, oh, I said that. Oh, Jesus, right? You'll stand before him one day. You'll give an account of everything. Don't think just because you're here and you got a raise on your job means you'll skirt that, that one day. Just because you had a wonderful thing and your boyfriend just proposed to you, don't think you'll skirt this moment one day. The seas where the sins were thrown one day will be judged by the very blood that is poured out in it. He never forgets. He is a just God. And I know living on this planet, we don't like to talk about a God who will judge us. We don't like to talk about a God we'll have to face one day. It just... It empties churches out. Nobody wants to hear it. It's too hard. Tell me about the Jesus that loves me. Loves me for who I am. Lets me swim. Right? And I'm not opposed to that. Like, I know Jesus loves us. And I know he, you sin 70 times 7, he forgives you 490 times a day. I mean, he just, he's so compassionate. But please don't take his compassion as his approval of you continuing to swim. 
Don't take his mercy as his thumb up. Of, yeah, just keep doing whatever you're doing, proud of you. Hey, and when it goes bad, come back and tell me you're sorry. I'll forgive you again. Now get out there and play in my ocean. That's just not the way he does it. And, you know, though, though difficult to understand, here's what I also know. Is out of the very dirt that he made me, and out of the ocean to hold my sins, what all else did he make other than the seas? You remember it? The trees. Because what is God telling me? Is that though the seas will hold your sins, I'm also on day three of the very dirt you will be made out of before you ever get here to sin. I'm going to put a tree. Galatians 3.13 But Christ has rescued me from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on a cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Yeah. For it's written, curses everyone who was hung on a tree. On day three, looking and knowing the sins that would fill up the oceans, God said, oh, don't, don't get too focused on the oceans and the three quarters of the oceans that will fill up the earth. I also want you to know on day three, I'm way ahead of you. I'm also going to plant a tree. Because I'm going to let you know that out of the very dirt you were made will grow a tree one day. And out of that very tree, I will hang my son on that tree. And out of that, I will put all of your sins on this. And this blood will not kill you. This blood will give you life. So in day three, God's not already thinking of all my sins. He's already providing a remedy for me. He's already saying the dirt you came out of is the very same soil I will plant a tree. So the very soil within which you were made, Mark, is the very soil that will grow a tree. And the very soil that will grow a tree is the very tree that I will hang myself on for you. You say, wait a minute. See, this is Christianity. We, if you're a Christian, you believe it. Jesus hung on a cross. And we all go, yay, Jesus. Oh, he's so good. He hung on a cross for me. He took my sins. I've been washed in his blood. Yay, you're saved. Here's your t-shirt. Salvation t-shirt. Clap. There he is. Picture. Instagram. Yay, nine people came to Jesus. And the reality, the true reality was not so I could Instagram how many came, how many got saved, how many got a new shirt, how many joined the church. The reality of day three, the reality of day three is that the tree would hold to me the right to be, to be saved, to have life. He was thinking about me before I even sinned. He had my remedy for me before I even blew it. And now he just says, Mark, you want to spend your life focusing on the seas or do you want to spend your life focusing on the trees? It's your, your choice, son. Either way, Mark, I'm going to deal with your sin. Because I'm a just God, Mark. You can either get what's coming to you and keep focusing on the seas and having your life swimming, hoping you can stave off my judgment, but one day it'll come. Or, rather than the seas, you can focus on the tree, and I'll forgive you now, and there'll be no judgment for you to come, because I'll totally forgive you. But either way, Mark, you're going to pass through blood. Your sins will either pass through the oceans and the blood that will come, and you'll get death with all the other animals that are there, and or you can trust the tree, and I'll give you life. Pick. 
But know this, Mark, about me. I'm a just God, and I'm a judging God. And I'm so faithful to my love and my compassion. Watch, this is mind-blowing. Think about this. God is so faithful to his word, so faithful to his nature, so faithful to his character that he did it to his own kid. He judged his own kid because he had to. Because if he doesn't judge his kid, he's not faithful to his nature. He has to judge. The weird thing about the kid is it seemingly was so unfair. They got Barabbas instead of him. Give us Barabbas! Oh, man, Barabbas was a murderer. I know because what I'm trying to teach you in day three is that sometimes it looks like that the worst of the worst people get away with it and the people who are doing best really get the raw end of the stick. But I'm telling you I'm so loving that I myself am going to take that upon myself and say I know what it feels like when the person who deserves it gets away with it and the person who doesn't deserve it get what was coming to him anyway and it seems so unfair. But I'm just going to show you that's my love, that's my nature, that's my justice, that's called salvation. I'm so just and such a judge, I did it to myself. But know this, Mark. You can either trust that and get on the boat or you can continue to swim. Oh, you don't owe me a thing for getting on the boat. You just have to come when I draw you and get on. I will take care of everything, the food, everything you need, everything you want to worry about a thing. As a matter of fact, if it helps you a little bit, the boat was made out of a tree and the tree floated on top of the judgment. God even, God even made Noah to be a sign that if you'll just trust the tree, the tree will float and you won't have to worry about the judgment of the ocean. But I just need to know, you can either focus on the sea or the tree. If you trust the tree, you live. Okay, let's see. i got to go get a tree, right? Yes, a cypress. Trust the tree, Noah. Trust the tree. Okay, okay. Trust the tree. A hundred years of trusting the tree. A hundred years of trusting the tree. Builds it up. And God says, great, get on. And he gets on. And God goes, and shuts the door. And Noah's like, oh, what do we do now? And God's like, nothing, dude. Just trust me. You don't even, matter of fact, I didn't even tell you to make a paddle. Why? Because I don't want your help. I just want you to float. All you got to do is float. Where am I going to end up? Right where I want you to end up. Just trust me and float. But I want to look out. I want to see what's going on. Shut your eyeballs and trust me. That's why I didn't even make but one window in the top because I don't want you gandering out trying to figure out what I'm doing. You humans will never figure it out. But it sounds like they're having fun out there. Trust me, it's not fun. I know it sounds fun. But it sounds like they're throwing a party. They're all screaming. I know. But what you hear as a scream is not what you think. Just shut up and keep your head in the boat and just say, how long do I got to stay here? A long time. <laughs> I want to get off. I want to swim, right? That's typical Christianity. I don't want to get on and have to trust him. 
I want to see what's going on in the world. I want one hand out in the water while one hand's in the boat. I don't want to have to trust the tree. I want to trust me. I can swim long enough. I can handle it. I can do it. I can enjoy it. I'll get on the boat one day. I'll do it his way one day. But right now, I need to live my life. I need to enjoy it because that Christianity stuff is so uh, anyway. It just makes me, ugh, church people, ah, hypocrites, ah. And God's like, cool, whatever. Uh, okay, hey, I'm a, hey, one parting word for you, Mark. Good luck. <laughs> but he's so compassionate. Fifteen years later, I come swimming back up, and he goes, hey, buddy. I'm like, God, please forgive me. Good, come on, get on. That's how compassionate he is. His unfailing love. So the point of day three is simply this. I'll put it up on the screen. Here's day three. The Holy Spirit will always work to remind us that the judgment, meaning you get death, and justice, somebody will pay for it, of God will always prevail. You can either choose death or you can choose life. I'll let you keep swimming if you want to, and I'll be very patient. But just know one day, uh, I will deal with it all. And there'll be no more sea, and there'll be no more sin, and those that have rejected me will be gone forever. And those that have received me will be mine forever. Let's pray. I hope that helped you. Father, thank you today for the word of the Lord. Now, I have two, uh, just two things to put to you that let you think about yourself. Like, I, I'm not one of those dudes that try to preach hells real hot and get you all stirred up and run up here. But I will say this. I would hope you just don't go away foolish with these two things. Number one, that you would just totally reject Jesus. I got this. I'm good. I mean, you know, one day, maybe, but not today. I would just ask that maybe you rethink that thought. I wish I could say, yeah, we all got plenty of time, but I think we're smart enough as humans to know, truth be known, we really don't know when our end will come. I think a lot of people wonder about the end, like the end of the world, but truth, we can try to figure that out all day long, but none of us in this room know when our end is. Our days are numbered, the Bible says. And weird, it seems like some people check out early and leave this planet. And some leave like, we got real, we, you know, they got ripped off. They left way too early. They got shot, murdered, killed, car wreck, cancer. You know, I mean, it seems so unfair. So that's for you. I would just encourage you, don't leave and just put it off to another day. The second group are for those that have already said, yes, I, I believe in Jesus, but if you're honest, you love swimming. You don't want to deal with the habits and addictions. You don't want to let go of your way. You want to stay close enough to the boat that you've always got a hand on it, but you just don't really want to get in. You want to be close enough to see it so you can say, yeah, I'm a Christian. See that boat right there? That's mine. But the beautiful thing about the ark is it wasn't like a, uh, an outing on the lake. They stayed shut in the whole time. 
And a lot of people kind of treat Jesus like a pontoon boat. I want to float, but I want to swim at the same time. And that's just not the nature of God. His nature is both judge and justice. He's both equally well. Even though it feels like sometimes he's not very justful at all. And he's really holding off. And truly, maybe you've swam so long that you're getting away with it. And you're like, well, dude, I'm doing good. And that's fine. I have no qualms of what you do. But I would ask today before you leave, maybe recheck that thought. And don't just keep swimming, thinking I can keep getting away with my behavior, my lust, my addictions, my sin, and not ever have to deal with it. Because the rule of day three of God's character, all sin will be dealt with one way or the other. And it's up to you to pick which tree. So Father, in Jesus' name today, I bless everybody that heard the words today. I pray, God, that they'll just find good ground. I pray that they'll find room in our heart. Would you stand with me, if you will? i like to tell you how we end. Uh, uh, we end by letting the Holy Spirit work in our heart. Uh, I'll have our prayer teams are up here to my left and right. Uh, I'll be here to pray for you as well. But, so we like to pray, but we like to end this way. There's communion elements here. Some are, are closed and some are open uh, on all sides of the church. And we ask that that's the way we end every week. Is a moment for you and God, not you and a preacher. But for you and the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be a prayer to accept Jesus. And to repent if you're one of those that's swimming. But after the prayer, we all know you can pray it, but never really change. So hence the reason for communion. It's a moment for you to really reflect on what needs to change in me, Holy Spirit. And then let Him touch that. So maybe today as I was talking, He already touched something you need to deal with. A habit, a thought, an addiction, a lifestyle, a rejection. And He just wants, he just wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He holds nothing against you. But He's both judge and justice at the same time. Equally well. And He judged Himself so you wouldn't have to be judged. And all He asks is, if you but believe you will receive eternal life. So pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today I understand I can often choose me instead of that tree. But today I choose Jesus for He chose me. I say, Jesus, be Lord of my life and may my sins be nailed on that tree for my forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And Father, I turn from myself. I've been swimming on my own. I choose you today to stop living my life, my way, by my rules, and what I want. I choose your way. Forgive me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 